This is KGNU's Morning Magazine for Wednesday, February 22nd of 2023. I'm your host, Shannon Young. Coming up on today's program, we'll hear from a scientist who leads the CU Wizards program, which has been bringing entertaining science lectures to kids of all ages for over 30 years. Then we'll hear how the Slow Money Institute has expanded into other parts of Colorado from its origins in Boulder. Chris Moore will share his weekly commentary, Make Them Hear You. And then herbalist Brigitte Mars will bring us her regular Wednesday feature, Naturally. A commentary from Jim Hightower is at the bottom of the hour. Then, during a public affair, we'll continue our Black History Month special coverage from History Colorado's Lost Highways podcast series. Today, we'll hear about some of the lesser-known history of the Denver Police Department. Then at 9.30, music director Indra Raj will be in the Boulder studio for the Morning Sound Alternative. All that's still ahead, but first, a look at the headlines with KGNU's Alyssa Palazzo. Today's winter storm has resulted in the cancellation of over 217 flights at Denver International Airport as of 7.15 this morning, according to FlightAware. Among the many school and business closures, University of Northern Colorado closed all campuses for the day. This evening, temperatures in Boulder, Longmont, and Denver are expected to drop as low as negative 19 degrees with wind chill. Today, it will take 30 minutes to develop frostbite, and this evening, it will take only 10. Boulder County has decided to allocate the first disbursement of its share of a massive multi-state legal opioid settlement. Boulder Beat reports the first round of county funding went towards pre-existing programs exclusively, but that new programs may receive consideration in future disbursements. Colorado released its distribution plan in August 2021, noting the money is intended to go toward treating and preventing opioid addictions. The Boulder County Regional Opioids Council announced over $1.5 million to 24 existing programs in mid-January with almost 70% going toward treatment and around 25% toward prevention measures. Boulder County is due to receive over $17 million from the state, spanning 18 years. The family of a man fatally shot a year ago by a Pueblo County Sheriff's deputy filed a federal lawsuit yesterday. As seen on the body camera footage, Richard Ward's family attorney released Deputy Charles McWhorter pulled Ward out from his mother's car in front of Liberty Point International Middle School in Pueblo West. Moments earlier, Ward had attempted to enter a vehicle in the line he had mistaken for his mother's while waiting to pick up his younger brother from school. Footage shows the deputies did not give orders to Ward to exit the vehicle before pulling him out and struggling with him on the pavement. The deputy then shot Ward point-blank in the chest. In October, Jeff Chosner, the 10th Judicial District Attorney, argued the deputies justifiably feared for their lives, and McWhorter's use of force was justified. Chosner cleared the deputies' charges in connection to Ward's death. The Ward family's attorney told the Denver Post that Richard Ward's death was, quote, nothing short of the state-sanctioned murder of a citizen who should not have been even arrested, let alone killed in broad daylight. Attorneys of the man accused in the Boulder King super shooting two years ago filed an objection request to another forensic neuropsychological evaluation. The Boulder County District Attorney filed a motion asking for new forensic neuropsychological evaluation, explaining that the symptoms used to declare the accused incompetent could be a product of his unwillingness to participate in the trial and judicial process instead of a mental illness. The accused defense attorneys responded with an objection request, emphasizing that four different doctors have already found the accused incompetent, 
and a restoration hearing can't be supported while the accused is in restoration therapy. The accused faces charges for killing 10 people and injuring 47 others. However, he was deemed incompetent for trial in December 2021 and again in January 2023, when doctors maintained that, quote, he could be restored with further treatment, according to the Daily Camera. The Club Q mass shooting suspect Anderson Aldrich faces the first day of a three-day preliminary hearing today. On February 10th, an El Paso County judge denied the defense's request to move the hearing to a later date. The defense team claimed to lack access to the audio portion of video surveillance from 10 to 11.30 p.m. the night of the shooting. Judge Michael McHenry gave the okay for the case to proceed as scheduled, but asked the prosecution to expedite sharing the missing footage with the defense. Aldrich faces over 300 criminal charges, including first-degree murder, attempted murder, bias-motivated crimes, and assault. During today's hearing, per the judge's ruling, the case could proceed as is, or some charges may be dropped. The hearing will start today at 8.30 a.m. in El Paso County. Boulder's food tax rebate program will begin accepting applications beginning March 1st, coinciding with the end of extra COVID SNAP benefits for thousands of Colorado families. Boulder's program aims to support lower-income community members by lessening the financial burden of city food sales tax. According to a press release, rebates will be around $300 for families and about $100 for individuals. Eligibility includes community members who must have resided in Boulder last year in its entirety and fulfill financial guidelines. Other eligible individuals include those 62 years and older during the entire 2022 year, persons with a disability, or families with children under 18 for the full 2022 calendar year. CU Buffs have already sold over 30,000 tickets to the April 22nd football game. The spring game will be the first under new head coach Deion Sanders and the first time patrons will have to pay for admission to Folsom Field. Students get free entry, but general tickets start around $10. Of the tickets distributed so far, 20% have gone to students. Another 20% has gone to patrons who have never bought CU football tickets. CU records show the previous record for high attendance was around 18,000 in 2008. Last year, under 2,000 fans attended the Spring Showcase. CU's Senior Associate Athletic Director for External Operations, Alexis Williams, told the Denver Post the game sales, quote, exceeded anything we thought it would, so we are excited to have thousands of fans be here for a spring game. This snowy Wednesday, be sure to bundle up. There is a winter storm warning lasting until 8 p.m. In Boulder, Denver, and Longmont, expect around 4 to 7 inches of snow to accumulate primarily before 5 p.m. Expect a high of 21 degrees and a low of 1 degree. For KGNU, I'm Alyssa Palazzo. You are listening to The Morning Magazine on KGNU. I'm your host, Shannon Young. For 30 years, a program at CU Boulder has been engaging kids with a free science program that combines STEM programming with showmanship and entertainment. The CU Wizards program is continuing its in-person programming with an all-ages presentation this Saturday. KGNU's Benita Lee spoke with the program's founder. David Nesbitt is a professor of chemistry and physics at the University of Colorado Boulder. He's also a staff physicist at GILA NIST. 
Nisbet initiated the CU Wizards program over 30 years ago. It's a science outreach program for kids from elementary up to junior high, their parents, and really people of all ages. Nesbitt says CU has a long history of science outreach for kids, including a program started by a veteran CU physics professor, John Taylor, who ran a similar program before he retired. He was really a charming, brilliant lecturer. And actually, he got local TV stations interested, and he would do even sometimes TV shows that kids could tune into. After many years of doing the shows, Taylor decided to pass the torch. And soon enough, we had 20, 30, even 40 faculty at the university that were eager to participate in this program because it was really developing quite a reputation. Nesbitt says currently about 40 faculty are wizards or wizards in training, and they include a number of Nobel Prize winners. Shows feature a few experiments on stage, and they bring out consistently strong crowds. Children, you know, they have this lovely excitement. They love coming up and participating in demonstrations at the front of the lecture hall. Nesbitt says one time he was doing a chemistry experiment with eggs for a group of kids. He wanted to see if the kids could distinguish raw eggs from hard-boiled eggs by spinning them. Because a hard-boiled egg spins quite smoothly, but a raw egg wobbles in a fairly distinctive way. So, you know, we, we taught the kid how to distinguish that, and I brought up a volunteer. He asked the volunteer to spin the three eggs and pick the one that was hard-boiled. And then they were going to test it was a hard-boiled egg by smashing it on my head, you know, and I wasn't going to look. Nesbitt knelt down in front of the lecture hall, took off the white chef's hat he was wearing at the time. And I'm looking forward. And this little kid comes up with this egg and just completely slapped his egg into my head. And it was, it was, you know, a hard-boiled egg, but it just completely crushed this hard-boiled egg into my head. And of course, the audience loved to see this and the kid, you know, excited and uh, very, a little nervous about doing this. And of course... The kitty's not 100% certain whether or not it's a raw egg or a hard-boiled egg. And so he or she is delighted that it's the hard-boiled egg. And, of course, the audience loved it, right? The audience loves it when a demonstration goes a little awry, right? You know, there's sort of a little bit of fun of seeing, like, a professor scramble to make something work, if you will. Nesbitt says that for many students, CU Wizards shows are their first experience in a college lecture hall. He also says there's clear evidence CU Wizards shows make an impact on the kids in the audience. Candace Bartholomew Brown, who helps run the program, did a master's degree that involved a survey asking questions of hundreds of former CU Wizards attendees. She found a clear correlation between their experience with the show and a tendency for many kids to later choose a major or a career in science. After over 30 years of CU Wizard shows, Nesbitt says there are always at least a few alumni who are now bringing their own children to shows. If I ever has any worries about uh, will the Wizards program last into the future, I go, so long as parents keep having kids, I think the Wizard program will live into the you know next 
CU Wizard shows are always free, Nesbitt says, thanks to an endowment, sponsors, and ongoing donations by individuals. The next show is Saturday, February 25th, from 9.30 to 10.30 a.m. in the Duane Physics Building at CU Boulder. The lecture is called Surfing with a Mathematician, Nonlinear Waves and Fluids, and the lecture purportedly includes corn syrup. For KGNU, I'm Benita Lee. The Slow Money Institute supports small organic farms by encouraging investment in local food systems and offering low-interest loans to farmers. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, Tammy Graham of KSUT spoke with the Institute's founder about their work in southwestern Colorado. Speaking today with Woody Tash, he's the author of Inquiries into the Nature of Slow Money, Investing as if Food, Farms, and Fertility Mattered and soil notes towards the theory and practice of nurture capital. Uh, Lots more I could say about you, Woody, but uh, just want to say thanks for uh, joining me today. Well, at the risk of um, a horrible little episode of self-promotion, I would have to add to that. I also wrote a small book called A A Call to Farms. Yes, thank you. Uh, Let's back up for our listeners a little bit. Talk a little uh, bit about this concept of slow money, and uh, you are the very involved and uh, founded with others, I think, the Slow Money Institute. Yeah. So yeah. tell us more about oh, yeah. slow money. It's, it's all really kind of pathetically, wonderfully simple, and that is that there is such a thing as money that's too fast, just like there's such a thing as companies that are too big or securities that are too abstract. Now, that used to be one thing to say that 12 years ago when I first wrote it. It's another thing in the wake of all the crypto stuff that's happened. I mean, Bitcoin did exist then, but it was nowhere near everyone's consciousness the way it is now with all the craziness. So, so yeah, slow money is is kind of the ultimate expression of what we've been talking about for a while is patient capital. But it's it's kind of patient capital meets slow food if you want to be a little more... <laughs> left brain about it but it's it's you know we need to take some of our money just take it out of the global casino and put it to work near where we live and things that we understand starting with food and slow money has uh deep roots in colorado it does i was until pretty darn recently living in boulder uh i lived there for 10 years which for the way my crazy life's unfolded was a pretty good stint but while i was in boulder we had i had the good the fortune of starting four groups in Colorado to make 0% using donated capital to make 0% loans to local farms. And that's where all my juice is. Now that's where the slow money is to do all the work. Everything that's happened in the last 12 years of slow money has kind of led me and us to this, this way of doing slow money. Um, I should say just as background, in case people have never heard of this at all, um, you know, we're, we're getting close to somewhere in the neighborhood of $100 million has gone into somewhere in the neighborhood of 1000 small farms in dozens of places around the country over more than a decade. But but we don't really count it like that anymore. We're really focusing now on this 0% loan model because we want to, we want the money to be really slow. We want it to be permanent. We want it to stay in the community and recirculate in perpetuity. And and also we don't want to make money off the farmers. We want the money to stay in. You know, it's hard enough making a living as a farmer. And even if, the, and if there is some money that to be made, it should stay in and be invested in the 
if you want to use the metaphor in the soil of the local economy, whatever metaphor you want to use, but the money, you know, we, we've been through a few centuries of, of taking out and now we got to really start putting back in. Sloman Institute has been looking for ways to help these local groups get going and, and proliferate. And now that we're focused on this idea of, of aggregating, you know, modest sized donations at the local level, there's a few variations on it, but they're all pretty, pretty close to the same, which is, you know, if you're a farmer, you can join for as little as $25. In Boulder, our minimum re regular membership is $250. The largest individual donor is $50,000. Everyone gets one vote, no matter how much money they put in, and we're making 0% loans with it. It's donated capital. You get a tax deduction for the donation. The money stays in and recirculates. So there are, there are now four of these groups in Colorado, one group in Virginia, over $2 million has been lent by these five groups in the aggregate over the last several years since this model has kind of gotten going. And, and so now we've launched Bitcoin, which is a, um, it's okay if I chuckle, I'm supposed to chuckle. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, it's, it's a non-crypto, non-currency on purpose. Uh, it's just an, it's, it's a, you can call it a crowdfunding portal if you want. It's, it's just a place where we can aggregate small donations online for people who don't live anywhere near these groups or just want to chip in a buck or five bucks or 10 bucks. And, and we're just taking that money and, and put, giving it to the local groups as matching grants to help them grow. The money stays local. All the lending decisions get made local, locally. And um, we're just we're going to see if we can kind of scale this sort of online community to support the proliferation of this model. I love the play on words and uh, the playfulness uh, with with everything that uh, that you all do with with slow money, uh, Bitcoin included. Uh, if folks wanted to get involved or find out more information about um, the Four Corners uh, Slow Money Group, how would they how would they do that? So there is now a Bitcoin.org website, and on there we have links to all of the groups that are doing zero percent loans, including Slow Money Four Corners. But you can just Google them and go straight to their website. As I kind of wrestle with what, why do I stay so on this and what do I think is driving people to do slow money and think about 0% loans, I, I think it's because of a, a sense of doing less harm, nonviolence, healing, nurturing. There's something under this that is way more important than just knowing your farmer or just sequestering carbon or just having nutrient-dense food. Those are all extremely important things. But under it all is a, is a more fundamental need to reconnect, to heal, to restore mutuality and trust um, and just to do less harm to one another on the planet. And I really think local food is the place to start that or is, a, is the most direct place to kind of manifest that. Woody Tash, founder of the Slow Money Institute, speaking with Tammy Graham of KSUT. That story was shared with us via Rocky Mountain Community Radio. Up next is Chris Moore with Make Them Hear You. Make them hear you. Make them hear. This is Make Them Hear You with ideas on how you can have your voice heard before Congress. We have to keep circling back on certain issues like gun safety and immigration reform because Congress can never seem to act. So here we go again. Senate Bill 365, known as the DREAM Act, is, quote, a bill to authorize the cancellation of removal and adjustment of status of certain individuals who are long-term United States residents and who entered the United States as children. With the Obama-era program that protects young undocumented immigrants from deportation in limbo, legislation to give them a path to legal residency has been reintroduced by Senate Majority Whip Richard J. Durbin of Illinois and Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina. This has been brought up and failed year after year. 
The DREAM Act, as the bill is known, would allow people who were brought to the United States as children and have a high school education and college enrollment, employment, or military service to gain residency and ultimately citizenship. The effort is urgent for huge numbers of young adults whose future is in question as a Republican-led challenge to the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, or DACA program, drags through the courts. But any immigration legislation is very hard to pass in a split Congress. It has been more than two decades since Durbin first introduced the DREAM Act. A version was passed in the House in 2021 but failed in the Senate. Some DREAMers are protected by DACA, which allows them to work legally and avoid deportation. But the future of DACA, long challenged by Republicans who say Obama overstepped his authority, is uncertain, especially now that a court case from Texas challenging the program could end DACA. Quote, dreamers are teachers, nurses, and small business owners in our communities, but because DACA hangs by a thread in the courts, they live each day in fear of deportation, said Durbin. It is clear that only Congress can give them the stability they deserve and a path to lawful permanent residence, close quote. Republicans continue to tie support for any dreamer legislation to tightening enforcement at the U.S. border. Lindsey Graham said we must, quote, repair a broken border before relief is remotely possible. The dreamers represent a class of illegal immigrants that have much public support because they were minors brought here by their parents and America has become their home. To provide relief for this population, we must first convince Americans that the unending wave of illegal immigration will stop, close quote. The deputy director of United We Dream said, quote, Although we welcome steps from Congress to introduce proactive immigration policies that help people, we need to turn these policies into reality. With the possible end of DACA in the courts, it's up to President Biden and Congress to pass a pathway to citizenship for all 11 million undocumented, while ensuring they are protecting the rights of people seeking asylum. If you have thoughts on the DREAM Act, Senate Bill 365, you can contact your senators and representative. This is Chris Moore with Make Them Hear You. Time now for Naturally with herbalist Brigitte Mars. Greetings. Welcome to Naturally. This is Brigitte Mars. So I see a lot of people who are concerned because they were just exposed to something. Oh, because they were in an airplane or, oh, my goodness, or their friend has COVID. So what are you going to do? You're just going to wait around and see if you're sick? Uh, no, I think it's time to take action. Okay, so what are you going to do? Well, maybe you want to stop eating foods that are going to create a lot of phlegm and mucus and make it harder for your immune system to get activated. So I'm thinking, you know, ditch the dairy, ditch the gluten, and maybe this is your excuse to go have that really spicy number three Thai soup. All that garlic and ginger and cayenne, mm-mm, that works really well. You know, garlic is a bronchial dilator. And maybe you planted some last fall and it's going to be coming up in the springtime. Yay to garlic. Raw onions are another great thing to do. You know, the other night I felt, oh, I'm getting a sty in my eye. Mm -hmm. What am I going to do? Wait and see if I get a sty? No, I'm going to stop wearing eye makeup for a few days. And then, you know, someone came over and says, I have a terrible headache. Uh, okay, so take that scrunchy, twisty hair tie out of your hair that's pulling your hair in all the wrong directions and take off your earrings that weigh half a pound. Stop putting so much pressure on your head. And okay, let's say you were exposed to uh, the virus. Okay, 
Rather than wait and see, it's time to take some C. Don't just wait and see. Take some C and you'll be okay. C, D, you know, sunshine is good for you. Maybe you want to diffuse some essential oils like eucalyptus or lavender. You know, all the essential oils are antimicrobial. And then you could just be proactive. You could take some antimicrobials like echinacea tincture, usnea. There's so many possibilities of things you can take. You don't have to take them every hour. You just want to take enough to activate your immune system. And in case you didn't know, echinacea stimulates white blood cell production. It has these large sugar molecules, polysaccharide molecules, that trick the body into thinking it's under bacterial attack. Aha! Foiled again, you bacteria! Foiled again! Thanks so much for joining me, Brigitte Mars, on Naturally. That's a wrap for today's Morning Magazine. I've been your host and producer, Shannon Young. Special thanks to Alyssa Palazzo, Juanito Hurtado, Alexis Kenyon, Benita Lee, Tammy Graham, Chris Moore, and Brigitte Mars for their contributions to today's program. Stay tuned for an episode of the Lost Highway series from History Colorado. That's coming up after the latest commentary from Jim Hightower. But first, the headlines from the BBC. BBC.